Amen to that prayer. That is, uh, that's our goal right now. We are, are asking God to reveal himself to us through the life of Jesus and his encounters with people. A uh, lyric that stuck out, stuck out to me this morning was, Give me eyes to see the truth of who you are, and may what I behold still my anxious heart. That's, uh, that's a good prayer for us. Y'all with me this morning? Everybody up? Everybody settled? No? Not yet. Okay. Everybody with me? Say, oh, yeah. All right. We're back. Uh, that, that lyric of that song is a good prayer. Give me eyes to see the truth of who you are. Because we do not naturally have eyes to see the truth of who he is. That's why we don't know him right now. That's why most of us have believed lies about Jesus that religion and life has thrown at us, the enemy has given to us through different means. We have these false perceptions of who God is, we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about. Uh, last week, I mean, it was, it was beautiful the way that Jesus cleared up the point that the Pharisees apparently were teaching that Jesus, that God rejects those people who are tax collectors or the worst of, of sinners. The most notorious sinners, those that have been rejected by religion and by religious people. God cleared that up for us last week. Did he clear it up for you? You got that in your mind and hopefully making its way into your heart? That regardless of how terrible you are, if you're the worst of sinners here today, congratulations. You are loved by God. Not only loved, but you, you are the kind of material that makes the best disciples. He chose Matthew and other notorious sinners to be his disciples, and he rejected the religious folks who already had all the answers. And he says in that statement last week to Matthew, I, or to the tax collectors, or rather to the Pharisees and the scribes, he says, I didn't come for you. I came for those who realize they're sick. And so if you realize you're rejected, good news. Right? Because Jesus is a lover of the rejected. So we learned that last week. Hopefully through God's word, his Holy Spirit working in your heart to reveal truth. So it's more than just words that you can say this morning, God, give me Eyes to see the truth of who you are. Because if, if God doesn't give you eyes to see the truth, then you will not see it. The Bible's clear about those of us who are separated from God who have never made a decision uh, yet in our lives to surrender our lives to him, to say to him, I receive your free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that yet, then you don't have the eyes to see. Your eyes have been blinded by, by the, the darkness of this world. I mean, Scripture is very clear about that, that it takes the Spirit to open your eyes to see the truth of who God is. But here's what I know, that any of you in here that are believers, that have received the free gift of God, of eternal life through Christ, your eyes have been opened to see that. You can't see that on your own. Multiple passages of Scripture that talk about that, about how our eyes are blinded by the enemy, and the only way they can be opened is by the Spirit. And the same thing's true for believers. 
We have to have the eye, our eyes open to see the truth of who he is. I was, I was listening to 2 Corinthians this past weekend. And I look at Paul, Paul the apostle, who says there, and he also says in Romans chapter 7 and 8, he says, I have this struggle. And the struggle is, is, that, is, is not that I'm not, by the, by the Spirit's power, able to understand the truth of who God is, but my flesh keeps telling me lies. My, my body and my flesh, my mind, my, my, my fleshly way of thinking, my old habits and old thought patterns are keeping me from seeing the truth of who God is. So we need God's help. He says in, in Romans, he says, the members of my body are waging war against my mind. They're telling me lies, and, and, and God wants me to know the truth. In, in 2 Corinthians, he says, I can't wait to get out of this body. I've grown in this body because I want to I be able to be present with the Lord and see him face to face and know him without any, without any uh, uh, distractions. And he describes the distractions or the problem is the reason why he's growing is because he's in this body and he'd rather be in another body where there's not this fight going on. So listen, every one of us, the, the pastor of this church, pastor of every other church, whether they admit it or not, pastors, teachers, people who have walked with God for years, we all have this same struggle is that our eyes have to be opened up to see the truth of who God is. So that's what we're doing. That's why we're doing this. We're doing it because God said do it. But that's our goal. Our goal is that you see the truth of who God is, not just that you have uh, that you show up at church and, and pat yourself on the back. Matter of fact, not at all that. Uh, there's nothing spiritual that's going to happen by you just sitting in this room. Okay, but we want to see Jesus today. That's our goal. So let's look at Jesus. We're going to look in John chapter 1. I want to do another message and possibly another one after this to talk about Jesus and his, encounter with his encounters with his disciples, the twelve. And some things that he revealed about himself in these encounters with the disciples. So we're going to pick up in John chapter thirty, chapter one, verse thirty-five. Read uh, four verses and spend a little time uh, digesting this, hopefully, and putting it into practice. All right, here we go, thirty-five. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus. As he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. For it was about the 10th hour. That's it. Man, that has been such an enlightening, small passage. Now, you might look at it and say, not so much. Wait. Good news. There's a lot in this passage. All right, here we go. First thing is, he uses our word. He says, behold, John told him, behold, the Lamb of God. That word behold is more than just seeing. Okay, last week we talked about see and how see meant see. And this, this word means more than just see, right? When you say, if I were to say behold, you would go like what? Right? There's something different than just seeing. Did y'all see that? 
That would be something. But if I said, behold, totally different, right? Actually, you can't say behold without a little bit of an exclamation point. Right? You've got to kind of lift your voice when you say it. And that's what it means. It's look and pay attention. Don't just look and see. That's one thing. But go beyond seeing to paying attention. When, they say, when he said, behold the Lamb of God, he's saying, there he is. Pay attention to him. One of our distinctives at the gathering place is we want you to pay attention to Jesus, to have your own experiences with him. They had seen Jesus, but now they were told by their spiritual mentor, the forerunner of the Messiah who had announced that he was coming, he says, now behold him. And they knew what that meant, and they responded to it. I think it has significance for us today. I think what we're doing here today, this beholding is significant. I think lots of church people have gotten too comfortable beholding their pastors and their leaders are in your generation and my generation, since we're both millennials. I am. That's why I'm wearing the vest and got the beard. In this generation, I think many have gotten comfortable following podcasts and online sermons, and, and they're, they are beholding those things. They are paying attention to that. You know, we, we live in a generation and in a town where people are all about, in the Bible Belt, beholding theological truth. Behold, you know, pay attention to theology and pay attention to doctrine and church practices. There's a lot that, 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 that church members, I will say, because I'm not sure you know, I know that there are plenty who, of church members who are not believers, who have not ever seen Jesus for who he is. But it seems like what we've done in churches, Bill and I were talking about this this morning, that what we've done in churches has been more of a distraction than it's been a, a cry for people to behold the Lamb of God. You know, it, it's behold us. Look at how cool we are. Look at how hip we are. Look at how, hip is not a hip word anymore but look at how thank you hipster we are (laughs) look at how uh, relevant we are you know we are in vogue with the churches of of the united states the cool churches out there and people we are asking people and have been asking people to behold something but we haven't been friends of god and pre uh, precursors to uh, our forerunners to god out there trying to prepare the way of the lord like John was. We're out there saying, look at us. Look at us. Behold us. And man, if there's a word that, this, that we need to hear, first of all, gathering place. Let's not get it beyond our church. But if there's, a word, if there's a word that we need to hear, it's this. We need to behold the Lamb of God. We need to pay attention to him. We need to see the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit. See what he's doing. Hear him. Uh, understand him, know him by, with the help of the Holy Spirit to understand and know who he is. And I, I pray for that. Maybe you've seen God in the scriptures. Maybe you've seen God in people here. Maybe you've seen evidence of the Holy Spirit in, in him here. And that's one thing, but I'm saying let's get beyond seeing. One of our distinctives at the gathering place is that you behold him yourself. 
You, you notice that I don't preach a lot of sermons that says, do this, do that, do this, this is wrong, that's wrong, this is wrong. We don't hold picket signs. It's not in our DNA here. We are, we picket picketing uh, here. Because the, these are just, these are ways of saying to you, all these things are wrong, and you need to straighten those things up. And so what do we do? What do we behold when we do that? We're not, you're not learning to behold Christ and find out what's wrong and what's right in your life. You're not learning to get in, in touch with him and ask him what's going on for you and where do you need to go and where do you need to move. It's, it's real easy for us to hide behind signs and hide behind these ideas and concepts about God and, and to, to hold on to the ideas like like. Uh, John and Andrew could have done in this story. They could have held on to the ideas and just obeyed what their mentor or pastor said. John said, behold him. And say, okay, well, let's behold him because John said it. But we need to behold him. And, and at the gathering place, we, we want you to behold God. We want to help you to behold him for yourself. We want you to, to learn to know him, to, to come to know him on your own by experience. We'll talk more about that. As we go through, that's, that's, our, that's our goal for you. So maybe you've seen him, but our, our hope for you is that you'll do more than just see him. Second thing in this, John's response shows what beholding means when we just, when we just see how he responds to God. He responds by, first of all, following him. Look at verse 37. The two disciples heard him say this, him being John the Baptist, and they followed Jesus. All right, the first thing they did is they just obeyed what their mentor said. They, they believed the message that John the Baptist was preaching, that, that the Messiah was coming, the one that would take away their sins, uh, that they were baptized in the name of, in the belief that their sins would ultimately be washed away by this Messiah who would come. And now John says, there he is, follow him. I, I want to say this about that. I really believe that for, for most of us, maybe still, is that you hear messages and you might adjust and you might feel guilty or feel like, I don't measure up to that. And so, and there may be a little something inside of you that says, I, I want to be a part of this cause. Of these, I want to be a part of these people who are, who are changing. And so I'm going to make my change. And, and I'm not asking you to make a change for the sake of connecting with people here. Here's what, here's what I'll tell you about the people here. You are already connected. If you're here and want to be, you are as accepted as anybody else in this building. It doesn't matter how long you've been here. It doesn't matter. You don't have to change to get that. Just, just know you're accepted and loved by the people here. As much as we know you, we love you. And it's not, God, it's not us. It's God in us. But don't go off. Don't wait for me to say something and just go do it uh, because you think you should or because you're supposed to. What, what I want you to do is actually behold the Lamb of God. To, to, but you, in order to do that, you've got to put yourself in his presence. You know, John and Andrew had expectations of what they were going to experience because John the Baptist had been talking about Jesus. Okay, you, you might have some expectations about what you're going to experience 
when you actually come in contact with God yourself, when you behold him. Because you've heard us talk about it. You've heard testimonies of people in the church, but that's not enough. Let that fire you up to go get in his presence. Okay, and, and that's what John and Andrew are doing. They're getting in his presence. They're just going to follow him. I said, whatever, we're going, we're going to go see. We're going to go look at him. We're going to go pay attention to him because that's what our mentor said to do. And we're hoping for the best that as we behold him, something's going to happen. But listen, they understood what behold meant. And they knew that you can't behold somebody if you're not going to go spend some time with them. If you're not going to get around them. And so off they go. And, and for us, church, listen, it's just, our message is simple this year. And maybe for the rest of the life of the gathering place. It's not complicated. Our simple message is do your ABCs. And your A is abide in him. And abiding in him means you got to be with him. All right, so it's not a matter of, oh, I feel guilty. I'm not having a quiet time. It's just go read the scripture because that's where he's going to show himself to you. Spend some time alone thinking about him and praying to him and asking him questions. And that's where you're going to encounter him. But you got to be with him. You can't not engage your mind and not pay attention. You have to pay attention to him in order to know him. You can sit here on Sunday morning, some of you probably right now. I'm not... I'm not a good enough speaker to grab your attention and keep it during a whole sermon. I know some of you right now are not engaged. I can't do that for you. I'm not here to show you how good a preacher I am or speaker I am. I'm not here to, to, to wear this really cool-looking vest and make you think I'm awesome. Alone. Now, I'm here preaching this word so that you can hear him. So you can encounter him. So you can see him. So pay attention to him and what he's doing in your heart and in your life. You don't hear everything I say on Sunday mornings. And the things that you do hear don't all get into your heart. But the Holy Spirit's job is to take those things and apply them to your heart. But you got to pay attention. Man, the easiest thing for Satan to do is when you walk in the door and sit in the right place and have the right songs, the right environment, right message, is to get you focused on the fuzzball on a light. Or, you know, there's no telling what's on these lights. Or, you know, uh, some cobwebs or the, the, that little piece of dust in the person's hair in front of you or whatever or your phone buzzing or whatever's going on to focus on something else rather than seeing him. So pay attention to him. Don't pay attention to me. Ask the Holy Spirit. He's here today. The, the one that, that John the Baptist told them to pay attention to is present with us today. And I will say and shout out with him, pay attention to him. Behold him. All right? And what that means is you got to get in his presence. Abide. They got help from John on how to get started, and they got up and they followed him. I'm, I have a whole book written for you to help you get started. It's called The Abiding Cycle. All it is is to help you to see him. That's it. That's what the book's about. Those of you in... New member orientation, we're going to cover three chapters today. I hope that, that you've already begun to see how this connects. We're going to see him. That's what we want to do. Behold him. John didn't say, behold me. He said, behold the Lamb of God, and we want to behold the Lamb of God. So what did they, how, you know, how, how did they help us understand what they meant? They got up and followed him. Now, our big question today is this. What would Jesus do in response to these guys following him? They get up and they're following him. 
This is what we're looking for. Jesus' character in person. Who is Jesus and how would he respond to two guys who are all of a sudden following him? They're behind him. He takes a turn. They take a turn. He, he dips in somewhere. They wait for it. Get the picture. They're following him around. How would Jesus respond to them? Would he reject them? Would he be afraid of them? Would he be worried about the fact that they might be trying to, to uh, assassinate him? They were uneducated, ordinary men, remember. These were not the guys with the fancy vests. 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 Vestibules. All right. Would he reject them? Would he pass them on to somebody else to take care of? Think about that one for a minute. Jesus sees them following. Would he say, hey, uh, Peter, you know, you're already one of the disciples. Would you take these guys and do something with them, you know? And I'm not saying that that's wrong for me to do. I'm saying it's wrong for G- it would be wrong for Jesus. Is that who Jesus is, that he's dependent upon somebody else to do for him? Is Jesus depending on me? Is he passing you on to me? Is he going to save you and, 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 and uh, bring you to a point of receiving the free gift of salvation, giving you eternal life, and then giving you to me? I thought that for a long time. I thought it was my responsibility to get my 12 around me like Jesus had around him. That Jesus would give me 12. That I would have around me and I would, I would be their Jesus. Man, how arrogant, how stupid of me as a pastor. I want you to behold the Lamb of God. And he wants you to behold him. Get behind him. Follow him. Look, he didn't reject them and he didn't pass them on to some well-meaning pastor or good program or great church. He would tell them to meet him. Uh, would, would he tell them to meet him at his at the church service? You guys follow me around? Look, y'all just, if you're interested, come to church. If you're interested, come to life group. You know, would he just say, you know, come somewhere else and then I will, I will find you. Nothing personal. Uh, I just don't mix around with uneducated men and people like you. Would he, would he do that? We know from last week he wouldn't. No, what does Jesus do? Jesus invites them to abide with him. Jesus asks them, first of all, to define their motives. All right? What does it mean when I say that Jesus, which is our sermon topic today, Jesus, what's my sermon title? <laughs> initiates what? Intimacy. Jesus initiates intimacy. Got my title. I'm old, but Jesus initiates intimacy. What does that mean? What does Jesus do in response to these guys following him? The first thing he does is he checks their motive. Verse 39, Jesus turned and saw them following them, him and said, what are you seeking? Listen, Jesus was never satisfied with people knowing him only skin deep. And he's still not satisfied with that. He won't be satisfied with you knowing him skin deep, only seeing him the way that you've seen him so far, and I don't care how much you've seen him. He's not satisfied with that. 
Jesus initiates the kind of intimacy that goes way beyond skin deep, and he knew that there were many ulterior motives that people had for following him around. Things that would never result in, in intimacy. He, he rejects some because they wanted more knowledge. He rejects some because they wanted more miracles. People followed Jesus around for the wrong reasons. And so he checks their motive. And so let me just say this to you today. I'm going to continue to, to show you that, that Jesus initiates intimacy with you. The Holy Spirit wants to initiate intimacy with you. But in order for you to see that, you need to, ask, you need to answer the first question that the Holy Spirit would ask you, and it's the question that he asked Andrew and John, what are you seeking? Good, good question to ask, right? Uh, why are you here? Why would you pick up your Bible in the early morning? Why would you get to bed early enough at night so when you do pick up your Bible in the early morning and you read that the Holy Spirit can actually speak to you, that you can actually pay attention to the Holy Spirit? Why would you do that? What's that about? Why are you doing that? Why do you guys that meet with me for prayer uh, during the week, why do you do that? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you study? Why do you pray? What are you doing it for? Your motive is significant. He's never satisfied with your experience with him being skin deep. He is initiating, taking the, the initiative to help you to know him in very personal and deep ways. So why are you doing it? Do you feel better about yourself when you do? Do you want to be connected with a cause? Maybe something cutting edge? Do you want to see more miracles? Are you that person that's always operated outside the box and so you want to do that? Are you doing it because somebody told you like John told them? Why are you following Jesus and That's a significant question for us to answer today. So answer it for yourself. You want to encounter Christ? He wants desperately to be intimate with you, but you need to answer that question and answer it honestly. And if you get the answer that doesn't really help you or doesn't look like it's good or, you know, you're not really satisfied with it, it's okay because it's honest. An honest answer is what he's looking for, and they give him one. They answer him with a question. Look at it in verse 39, the B part. He says, and they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now, Rabbi defines their motive. When they called him Rabbi, that defined their motive. We took a little look about what disciples of rabbis look like. But one of the things that we know for sure in their understanding of a rabbi was that they were, they were saying to that teacher, not only I like the things that you say, or you're really clever in the way you present it, or, you know, you're, you're, uh, everybody else is liking your teaching, so I'm jumping on the bandwagon. It's not that at all. It is a surrender to the way of life of that person. A surrender to his way of life. You go look at it. They you know, disciples of rabbis surrendered themselves. They, that means they were no longer, they, their new family was the rabbi and the disciples. They left everything to surrender themselves to the teaching of that rabbi. And so when they said rabbi, they, they answered his question, what are you seeking? Rabbi, first of all. And he said, where are you staying? Because this is going to take a while. 
Rabbi, where are you staying? We want to know where you live. Now, how's Jesus going to respond to that? You got some uneducated men who have been rejected by all the, the, the uh, religious elite. We talked about that last week. We know how he responds to that. But they're following him around, and now they want to know where his house is. How would you respond? <laughs> all right, a couple guys, a couple losers, you know, cultural losers are following behind you, and they're saying, then you ask them, what do you guys want? And they say, where do you live? Uh, over there. You know, that's that. now we're starting to get intimate, right? Now we're asking somebody, a stranger to, to a large degree, uh, our strangers are asking Jesus, where do you live? Now what he knows is as soon as he tells them where he lives, they're coming. They're coming to his house. They're not asking where he lives because they don't intend to follow him. Where do you live? Jesus doesn't say look it up on Google. He doesn't say uh, give them false directions, hoping they won't ever find it. Turned by the big camel, you know. But he, instead, he says, "Come and see." He doesn't even let him leave his presence. Man, that's initiating intimacy. They're saying, Rabbi, we want you to be our teacher. We surrender to you. We already know enough about you that makes us want to be with you and discover you. We want to know you. And so we want to, we want to come with you. Tell us where you live. And we'll, I guess in their minds they thought maybe he would say, you guys can show up at this time. When do you all have your you know, discipleship meetings? You know, Come then. Jesus says, come and see. Come with me now. Let's go. You guys have the right motive. Your heart is right. What you're desiring, I want to give you. And he initiates intimacy with them. Jesus starts it up. He sees them following. He says, I want more of you guys. I want you to come and be with me. I love you already. I want you to come and follow me. Come on. We're going to do life together. They just met him. And they're following him. And now they want to go to his house. Jesus invites them to come to his house because he, he wants them to go deeper. He wants to get beyond skin deep with them. He wants them to know him intimately. Come to my house. We're going to start this thing up. I'm going to reveal myself to you. You guys are going to know me in ways that are going to, that, that's going to absolutely transform your life. This past weekend, uh, yesterday morning, actually, I was sitting in deer stand which I, I, I've told you already, I learned so much sitting in a deer stand, but there's something that a lot of you don't know, I bet, about uh, temperature. When, when you, if, you, if you've never, if you're not an early morning person, which I know that most of you are not, because I know you, or if you've never been out in the woods in a, on a typical uh, morning, early morning, as the sun's coming up, there's some things about temperature you probably don't know. Uh, now, if I was to say to you, uh, on, on a typical morning, when the sun comes up, um, if you're cold, just wait a little while. The sun's coming up, and you, you will get warmer. All right? You're going to warm up. If I were to say that to you, would that be logical and make sense? Yeah. Now, if I wanted to really get in, get you convinced of that, I might have all kinds of ways of telling you, uh, things like, I don't know anything about the sun, but if I ever know things about the sun, the sun is such and such amount of, it has such and such amount of heat that it sends out in this particular time of year. This heat goes out and 
you know, when it comes up, man, the heat of the sun uh, hits the earth and, and heat, you know, is going to happen. You can count on that. And, and by the way, another, another guy might say, oh, yeah, and I also read in another devotional, I mean, in another place, that there was this, um, that, that they say that, uh, that uh, it was the, the disciple Kavvika, uh, disciple Kavvika said, that the temperature today, you know, I got it right here on the Google Bible, and you can read it. It says right here, there's going to be uh, 45 degrees tomorrow morning, and then you know at at five o'clock, and then at six o'clock, it's going to be 47 degrees. All right, so I got all my facts. You got them too, right? So if we just take the facts. What we've heard, what we've seen, and experienced some of the sun. But you never go out in the woods in the morning and sit on a deer stand or whatever. Go sit, go sit in the woods. Then you don't know what some of us know in this room to be true. And that is when the sun comes up, it gets colder. It gets a lot colder. When you're sitting in the woods and the sun comes up, I don't know why, but I know every time when it's cold and the sun comes up in the woods, it's colder. How many of you have experienced that? One or just about a handful of us in this room. All right. I want you to go experience it so, so you can say next week you'll come and have more confidence in your pastor that I tell the truth. That's the only way you can know that is by experience. Okay, and that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, come sit in the woods with me. And you're going to experience something you've never experienced before. And it's going to go way beyond what you've seen or what you've heard about me. You're going to experience me. And it's a whole different thing. There's something that I want for you that's personal. And I invite you to intimacy. Come experience life with me. And I will, I, all of a sudden, truth is going to, going to have a different meaning. We desperately need that. We need it because we need it. But then we need it because this con- community needs it. We have got to know Christ before we can give him to the rest of the community. And and Jesus is inviting us. Some of us have never taken the invitation seriously enough to come and see Jesus intimately. We've never taken his invitation to come seriously enough. We still think we're having a quiet time in order to impress God. Or we're, we're doing something so we can talk about it and tell our accountability group that we're doing well in our quiet time. We've, you've been invited to know Christ intimately. The Holy Spirit has invited you and he's waiting on you to come and experience life with him. To, to hear from him and to adjust your life to him and to let him reveal himself to you. Now, the scripture is clear that, that God does that for us as well. Jesus said, if you obey my commandments, I will love you and reveal myself to you. He wants to show you who he is. So what else happens in response to their following? John 1, 39b says, so they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him all day. They couldn't get enough. They get in his presence. Jesus starts revealing truth to them. He starts showing them who he is, and they can't get enough of him. And they want, to be, they want more. Give us more, more, more. Jesus allowed them to stay as long as they wanted. So much that they lost track of time, and they wanted more as a result of it. 
I can't do that for you. I wish I could. I wish I could, I wish I could talk you into it. I wish I could convince you through a sermon or come to your house and sit with you so that you would do this. But he invites you to intimacy, and he will let you stay as long as you want. Some of us, y'all stood alert, say, oh, yeah, and we got a little bit left. Don't miss the last point, so this is big. Some of us have been with him. We've encountered him. We have experienced him. We are coming to know him, and then all of a sudden, we decide to go off to the house. We go off. We go off somewhere. Satan convinces us not to stay, not to stay in his presence, not to continue to, to be intimate with him, to follow him, to, to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives. And we walk off, and it's not long before we don't have the desire to be with him anymore. And we wonder, what's going on? What's wrong with me? And it's very simple. You used to follow Jesus, and now you're not. You used to pay attention to him. And now, and, and it's not just a spiritual, uh, not just a, what you do on Sunday. You know, A.W. Tozer talks in pursuit of, the pursuit of God about the fact that there's not a, a separation between the secular and the sacred. God is showing you all the time. Just pay attention. Pay attention to what he's doing in your day. Yesterday, I went to see Aaron. One of our elders is in, in uh, ICU up in uh, at Oshner's, and I went to see him yesterday, and I, I was told by his mom and, uh, and uh, stepdad about all the things that God has been doing and that they have been noticing. That's not a spiritual environment, is it? A hospital, ICU? Is that where God shows up and speaks and reveals himself? Yes, when you pay attention. Well, what do we do so many times? We get in a situation like that, and we get focused on the circumstance, and we never see God. Our attention is taken away. Man, God is doing so much right now in Aaron's life and through this sickness. I'm just praying that God will get all that he can out of that and that we'll see him and know when he's working. Don't let your circumstances cause you not to see God. Everybody get that? All right, so stay. Christians, you can stay as long as you want. Here's the beautiful thing about Jesus initiating intimacy is he doesn't have a time limit on it you can stay as long as you want you can stay the rest of your life if you want to and i would suggest you follow him behold him and the the longer you behold him the more committed you're going to be now what happened with these guys what happened is they stayed and they stayed and they stayed and they stayed. And they stayed until Jesus died. They never left. Couldn't get enough. Don't feel guilty if you don't have that feeling right now. But I'm saying to you, behold the Holy Spirit that lives inside of your life. Behold him. Answer the question. What are you here for? Why are you following him? Why are you doing what you do spiritually? Answer that question and let the answer get to the point where you're saying, I'm following because I want to surrender to you. I want to see who you are. I want to know you. And so get in there and see him. Spend some time with him. Be in his presence. You know, spend more time with him. Listen to what he says. Obey what he says and watch what he reveals about himself and see if that doesn't cause you to want more. And then don't ever stop that. Just keep on going. Church members, look, some of you have quit pursuing. Don't ever quit. It's the most important thing you can do in life. 
And if you'll continue it one day, your heart will be so full of love for Christ and desire to know him that you won't ever stop. You will be lost in that. Now, you're going to do life, but you're going to do it with joy and contentment. You're going to do life, and it's going to be full and meaningful because you're abiding in him. Jesus initiates intimacy. He did it with other disciples. He comes to Peter, and he tells Peter, after, he, after the fishing and all that stuff, Peter comes to him and says, you know, he, he comes to him following him and says, uh, you're repenting for his lack of faith. And then Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What's the first part of that phrase? He's initiating intimacy with Peter. He didn't say, go be a fisher of men. I got stuff for you to do. I need you. I can't do it on my own. Get a band of guys together and let's go do something together. He said, come follow me. He initiates intimacy. Look at this passage in John. Or Mark, rather. Mark three fourteen. All the disciples. This carries them all. Look at what it says. He says, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. He didn't gather them together and say, now go preach. Tell everybody how cool I am. You know, go get out there and get, you know, be, be persuasive now and get as many people as you can to come to me. It says that he appointed 12 as apostles that they might what? Three words. Be with him. He invited them to intimacy. This is the 12. And, and all of us are the 12. We are disciples. Well, what are we disciples of? The question is, who are you following? Why are you following? And my, my recommendation to you is follow Christ. Look at what he says to us in John chapter 15, verses 17, or verses uh, 7 through 11. This is for you. Take it. Receive it. This is a word for us. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you for two reasons. Number one, that my joy may be in you. Number two, that your joy might be full. He invites us to abide in him. Abiding means that we hear his commandments. We obey what he says. Not commandments like these are grievous things to do. He says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I came, I'm going to do this through you. But he invites us to abide in him. And in order to abide, we've got to know what he wants us to do. We've got to do life his way. We surrender to him as our rabbi. Father, tell us how to, how to live our life. Holy Spirit, teach us how to live in every situation, how to handle all these things that life throws our way so that we can know you. And he tells us that because he loves us and he's inviting us to intimacy. So, Consider yourself invited today. Consider yourself invited. Let's pray. Father, give us eyes to see the truth of who you are.
We need your help to do that. Our eyes are stuck in the wrong places. I ask you today, God, to help us to behold you. Behold your Holy Spirit that lives in us and is in this world if he's not in us. But for those of us who know you, Lord, we, we cry out today, give us eyes to see the truth of who you are. And may we today, God, behold that you are a God who invites your creation to be intimate with you. Your Father, that, that should change. That changes my heart. It changes my whole demeanor when I think about that. That the God of all creation invites me to intimacy. That you care about me individually as a person. That I mean something to you. That I mean everything to you. Lord, if, if there's anyone here today that has never received you, then I pray right now they will pray a prayer in their hearts and say to you, I've seen enough and I want to be a follower. And Lord, that you would just light up their hearts right now with the reality of who you are. And Lord, for those of us who are already believers here, I pray that you would light up our hearts to, to really commit to behold you to do what we need to do, Father, not because we have to or because you're impressed, but, God, because we're hungry. Hungry for more knowledge of you. So satisfy our hearts today with your presence here as we worship.